Ryan and Michelle started the church with a few friends in Seattle, I guess, 11 or 12 years ago. It's very similar to us. Yeah. By the way, pastors wear hats turned around backwards in the Northwest. <laughs> you know uh, this is me dressed yes, up. Yes, this is, this is, Ryan has really put on the Ritz for us today compared to what it looks like in East Lake. Ryan grew up a lot like me. Father, uh, my father's not a pastor, but grew up entrenched in the church. His father is an incredible man that pastors a large church. They today probably have seven or 8,000 people in church at the church. His father pastors down in the San Diego area. Um, and so he grew up in church and was this precocious kid, 25 years old, with a few friends, started the church there in East Lake. And after about nine years, East Lake was running 5,000 to 5,500 people on Sunday. So this 25-year-old young man, somewhere between 25 and 32, I'd been hearing about it through Jessica and Stephen a lot, along with some really good friends that he'll introduce in a minute, um, started a church and built a really, really effective place. And in the process, Ryan began to go through what a lot of us pastors go through, and that is consternation about our own faith and wrestling through. There really is, I think, Phyllis Tickle's right. I think there is a profound move that's happening with guys like us. Jeff Clark, my friend over here, is a pastor and the chairman of the board of the Wild Goose Festival, and he's one of our comrades, just came over. He's a professor over at MTSU and a preacher and the chairman of the Wild Goose Festival. Interesting guy that can also cut a rug on Broadway. If you're ever down there and some wild man's dancing in one of those boot scooting boogie, boogie places, it's probably Jeff. But Jeff's an interesting guy, and there's a bunch of guys like us that just behind the pulpit and behind our clerical collar are really wrestling through with what I think is what we've always called the move of the Spirit, a real reformation within the Christian church. And uh, a bunch of us going through the same things, uncannily the same things, have started finding one another. And, you know, who knew that one of the leaders over in the graduate department of business at MTSU was also a Presbyterian pastor and also thinking the same stuff. And there's a young pastor up in Seattle thinking the same stuff and a pastor in Nashville. Pastors everywhere, along with the pew, but pastors everywhere are thinking this stuff and we just begin to find one another. And we've exposed this church to the fact, the reality, that we're not the only ones thinking this. We're not the only ones doing this. We're not the only ones tackling tough issues um, like inclusion for our LGBT brothers and sisters and all the things. Melissa did an incredible job. I just want to say, two weeks ago I listened to the message. Her wrap-up of progressive Christianity is was spot on, and I, I was going to say I couldn't have done better. I couldn't have done as well. And I just want to say thank you to Melissa for Wrapping that up. We specifically found um, Ryan and East Lake really uh, in earnest back in January when we were making our very difficult decision and the church was kind of going through that cataclysmic shift when we did the right thing before God, I believe, and did what we should have done a long time ago and became fully inclusive for our LGBT brothers and sisters found out they were doing the same thing. They actually made the formal announcement. He and I pretty much held hands on both sides of the fence through the entire process. It was a, it was a hard deal. And uh, they have experienced almost exactly um, what we have experienced. And it just so happened that he and his team, some of his team were in town this week for a conference. 
And so I, I didn't have to beg them hard, but I said, you guys should stay over. We should share the platform because we really are together in this. And I just wanted to share some time and have some conversation um, with a pastor in a church who's done exactly what we've been doing. I know you've been clapping a lot and sometimes that can feel kind of goofy, but it'd be absolutely appropriate for us to welcome Ryan Meeks, pastor of Eastlake Community Church. So uh, you, you brought some folk with you. I all did. six of them has been staying at my townhouse all week long. It's an interesting situation Smells there like at Doritos the townhouse. Doritos and farts over there. Yeah, today. Doritos and farts. You said, y'all. Um, again, Seattle's a bit of a different animal than Nashville. Um, I'm but, actually really bummed out. I thought I was being installed as a senior pastor today. Yeah. Now, yeah. I don't know where this is going? Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, so in the back there, Have them George, stand, all the yes, guys. George, Peter, and Tom are back there. They're part of our team. Tell who, what they do at the yeah, church. Yeah, sure. There. So George is our executive pastor. Uh, Peter works with all of our campus pastors at uh, different locations. And then Tom is over logistics, which uh, is just pretty much everything. Yeah, and of course, David is your music guy uh -huh. or everything, and Leah, and Leah works yep. in music, but she's also, she's kind of the Ron Miller at the Bothell, the big yep. campus. she runs a ton of teams, one of our top-level leaders at the church, an incredible pastor, um, but even more than that, the voice of an angel. Yeah, so. she does have the voice of an angel, but when, when you say here that she is our Ron Miller, we know exactly, don't we, <laughs> what we're talking about. Thank God for Ron Miller, but um, how you doing? Good, man. Good. You it's got a week away from the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I pre-film, so I, can, I yeah. can chill. I can be preaching right now in Seattle. No yeah, they do an interesting thing. They never preach live up there. They tape the sermon on Thursday, and then it shows on Sunday. I, I think it's a terrible idea, but it's worked for them. <laughs> and uh, you have to, That's because you have to prepare. <laughs> yeah, you have to prepare. You can just scoot in and interview somebody. You're just like, what are we yeah, going to do today? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, remember, I, I, coming back from up there, I'm, a, I'm not going to be nearly as codependent as I used to be, so I will hit you. Um, and you, by the way, and all of you. So um, church up there, you guys, it's uncanny. Y'all have experienced the, the, the same thing. How are, tell our folk who've gone through the situation what it's like in Seattle. I mean, it's pretty much the same deal. Finances, numbers. Yeah. Spirit, all that. Yeah, you know, um, it was an interesting transition for us because we had been, we had made the shift internally to where operating as a, an inclusive church. And even um, some of our mutual friends at Highlands Church, they kind of opened the service with an ethos that includes, um, among other things, uh, conservative or liberal here, we've all got to give a little here, gay or straight, there's no hate here, woman or man, everyone can here. And so we've been doing that for a number of months. Um, the, the break point for us um, was when a staff member uh, came out to us and, uh, and a really close friend, we go backpacking together, like not a, not a person you work with, but a really close, close friend. And when she came out and had been in close proximity, she knew where we were at with this, and she's crying, thinking, and I'm like, why are you crying? And she's thinking, well, I just don't know if this is my last day. And, and, and just my heart just ruptured. And I realized in that moment that, um, uh, 
the slow roll into this, which probably I could have given you a, uh, here's why this is intelligent. Uh, but at the, at the moment when I saw her weeping in fear, I realized it was a lot more about covering our backs um, than it was doing the right thing. And so we decided, okay, we need to make a formal statement. Happened to be in New York uh, with our friend Doug. I was supposed to be there, actually. Yeah. That's right. Yep. You always bag out on those things, man. I, I bag out. I'm not going to bag out nearly as much now. Okay. I'm going to start traveling. All right. Yeah. So I got a call from Time Magazine because one of my buddies said, because uh, they were doing an article on evangelicals changing their mind, and, and he said, oh, you should call Ryan. So I talked a little bit on the phone with them and then figured there'd be a blurb, you know, a little one-sentence thing. Well, it turned out to be like a massive article that mostly used our church's story as the frame. And uh, it ended up coming out a week before my sermon. <laughs> that's, that, that's not good you time. You can laugh. Y'all think we botched the way it happened. Nobody did a worse job. Nobody did a worse us. job than they. We Tell were second worst, but they did. But, yeah. but you know what? It's nice to be the worst and the second worst amongst three. At least we did something. <laughs> exactly. At least we did something. Yeah, so we yeah. coach guys now... Uh, you know, leadership teams, if you're going to do this, tell your church first before in the national media. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we were getting, you know, all the hate mail and the death threats and all that stuff about, thanks for sabotaging your church, you know, and all that. For oh, they week. use that word, sabotaging oh, your church. Oh, yeah. Well, I've they never, use a lot of words. Yeah, I've never heard that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So we went through that, and, and it's hard to speed through the story, but I know that, you know, as a community, you've been through it. But um, it was rough. You know, we lost 50% of our budget practically overnight. Um, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Uh, I think the hardest part were, were personal betrayals of people who were the closest to me. And um, to be honest, uh, from January to probably June, and you know this because you kept trying to encourage me uh, over Skype and over the phone, I just went into a cave. Like I thought, it's all going down. It's all over. Um, I did it wrong. I could have done it better. I don't know what happened. And uh, it took a while for me to just kind of grow my spine back and stand up for a second. Uh, it was, so it was really tough. But uh, we were shocked. We didn't think we'd make it to Easter. And then Easter came. And then we're like, well, maybe, maybe we'll die. Like, and then we can be unemployed for the summer. You know, that's not too bad. And, um, and then we made it to the summer, and they were like, well, there's no way we're going to survive the summer. In Seattle, that's the only time the sun comes out, and uh, so everybody's gone, and, and then we made it through the summer, and then we landed in the fall going, there are thousands of people. Are they not listening, or do they actually really want to be a part of this? And so we're in a season now of trying to assess, you know, we know we got a great church. What does it look like? Who's it made of? And do we really want to push forward? Because as you and I have talked many times, um, Inclusion is not the gospel, it's the result of the gospel. And as we continue to push forward, um, you know, there's so much more for us to deal with um, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the bigger question is, what is the Christian church doing and where is the Christian church going um, in this present hour? Yeah. When you talk about seasons of reformation, the season yeah. of reformation in the Christian church is 2,000 years old. There's never been a season of reformation. There's never been one moment in church history when these kinds of things weren't happening. It's just a matter of, you know, where they happen and are you a part of them happening. I think you and I are both finding out, I mean, we were kind of that Elijah figure like, Lord, we're out here, we're the only ones, 
And part of that made me feel a bit um, dubious to the whole thing because I thought if we're the only ones doing, if you and I are the only ones doing <laughs> it, this thing's crazy. in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's on us. You know, I, the, whole, the whole band's not out of step except us, but the reality is you've experienced the same thing I have, and that is dozens if not hundreds of pastors calling quietly from under the cover oh, yeah. of night saying, me too, and I don't know what to do. Yeah. I can't, or I'm afraid, or I'm going to lose my job, or my daughter just started college. How could I possibly go through this? People, you know. And there's a lot of, you know, some of the, I kind of push a little bit harder in some of those conversations because I think a lot of it is this soft, like, well, you know, we got to bring everybody along hmm. stuff. And, uh, well, you can't, you know, you got to make sure you take care of these people. And, the, and my frustration with that rhetoric is generally the, the, those with power and privilege don't need the coddling, you know. Say that again. Those with the power and the privilege don't need the coddling. Um, Jesus always sides with the marginalized and the vulnerable. And so we're gonna, when you're going to weigh it, you know, who, who, who do we need to walk with? And, you know, um, it, it seems pretty obvious to me. Yeah, I think so. And, and those with the power and the privilege, and we give them the benefit of the doubt that they have a sincere conscience, there are plenty of places within the Christian church for them to find Absolutely. an absolute home. Throw a rock, you can find a church that's not inclusive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Especially on this street. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Incidentally, so, with all this new technology, you guys hear there's a new app now? This is amazing. And there's a new app that tells you which of your friends are stupid. Did you know this? It's called Facebook. <laughs> Incredible. It also reveals who are racist, yep. bigoted, it's all amazing. of that. You just yeah, it's amazing. It's a neat You punch it and it tells you <laughs> which of your friends are racist. That's great. Incredible. Um, I hadn't heard of that. I'll check it out, yeah, though. Check it Facebook. Out. It's fantastic. Um, so where's the church now? I mean, uh, yeah. honestly, part of the deal is, is the frailty of leadership. Mm -hmm. um, not, again, not to be melodramatic, everybody has pressure jobs, but this has been a pressure deal. It about killed me. Yeah. It yeah. just about killed me. Yeah. <sighs> it about killed you too. Yeah. Um, okay. So how's the staff doing? How's the leadership? Good I know part. you're doing breathing exercises all the time yeah. around the house. You went to a neurologist because you're... Yep. He's had good news and bad news. He's <laughs> got a great brain. It's totally screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just that the fight or flight response is basically locked open, so I'm just constantly in high anxiety. Um, and so I actually, and it was worse from January to June, like I said, I was in this cave. I was on anxiety medication, not trying to sleep. There were days... Um, a couple days in the first week when I just, I couldn't go home, I uh, would call my wife and I'd be like, I, uh, I, don't want, I don't want the kids to see me like this. I can't get up off the floor in my office. Um, there's just so much at once. And um, my buddy Chris Hewitts, I was texting back and forth with a lot of friends. Uh, you being one. Yeah, you were caught. If you're depending on me for encouragement <laughs> during that season, great. it was pretty bad. <laughs> encourage me, Stan. You encourage me. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. But uh, he just encouraged me that that uh, these are this is a sacred wounding and to to be appreciative for it. You know, I grew up around the Bible enough 
I knew the verses, and to me, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials. You know, I always thought that was sort of some kind of BS Pollyanna, you know, this is fantastic, you know, just lobotomized spirituality. And, um, but it gave me new appreciation for um, what it means to incarnate um, a love ethic for those who um, are under the boot of oppression. And so to feel that in, a, in a sh just the tiniest fraction of what my friends have lived under their whole lives was a gift to me. It was a gift. And uh, being able to make that shift was a really important part of the healing process. Um, and where we're at now is, I think, really good. You know, as a staff, I gave the staff and our elders and the board many opportunities to get rid of me. I was very open. I said, I'm going to say this and it will not go well. <laughs> and uh, even to the staff, which I was most concerned about, I said it to the board and they resigned. I said, if you think I should go, I get it. If I'm, you know, dancing everybody down to hell, you know, um, then you have a responsibility to get rid of me, but I, I'm standing here. And uh, they said, no, we, you shouldn't resign, but we will. And then and then I brought it to the staff and got down on my knees and said, told them, you're probably all going to lose your jobs. Um, you could replace me and try to rebuild something. And, and I gave people opportunity to even anonymously kind of decide. And I don't think the full even day ended. It was like Spartacus. People were like, I'm Spartacus. You know, it's like, <laughs> they were like, let's do this. We're in. And so... Going through what we went through, I think that was a really important moment for us to band together, knowing what we were walking into and saying that this mattered for us. So the staff's great. In fact, I'd say we're in a better space today than ever because when you have to work through some painful processes together, um, it bonds you in ways that success doesn't. You know, going from nine people to 5,000 or Easter's of 8,000, it doesn't really grow you. In yeah. fact, I shut down inside to a point where, I mean, there were moments when I was invited to, you know, this round table of these people and, and you speak at this conference kind of thing. And, and uh, I started to realize, like, I, I'm not doing this to help people anymore. I'm trying to grow a big church and preach sermons that I'm like, this will really grow attendance next week. And I completely lost the heart of what I'd started it for in the first place. And, and that was hard to go through. Um, but, you know, we're running about, uh, in a given weekend, 15 to under 2,000 now in five locations. And, um, Which sounds great, but when you were at 5,500 three years ago, that's yeah. tough to renegotiate all the different campuses. Absolutely. And, and as you know, I mean, even in one location, you have to go through the mourning process of, you know, um, severed relationships. Are you guys through that mourning process? Does it, I mean, we kind of, around the summer, it just started feeling good. Yeah. In here, the morning service. Are you I guys getting there? It depends there? on the campus. You know, they're, they're all unique little communities. We had the, y'all were spread out in all the campuses, so you have smaller crowds, larger crowds. You couldn't really change the services. We had the opportunity to go away from multiple services, put everybody in the room, and it just felt good, all of us being together. And most of us don't want to go back to two services. We kind of like this feeling. Y'all yeah. didn't have, that, that was helpful in our yeah, healing process. for sure. We didn't have that opportunity. Although a couple weeks ago, we did have a one-roof event where we took all the campuses and, and just did a Saturday night kind of celebration. And that was really healing for all of us. Um, in fact, one of our campus pastors, he's a hilarious guy, he, uh, he did a musical that he wrote 
uh, of all these Disney songs, and it was basically this like chronology of the year. And so it was really funny, and it was, what was great about it was it was actually healing. All of us told him, like, that healed everyone, because he's doing these songs about how, now there's empty seats, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just all this stuff, uh, uh, letting people laugh and feel, and like, oh, we, it's okay to say that we feel this. And so people are like simultaneously laughing and sobbing at the same time, and I think that was a really good healing spot for us. So I think where we're at you know, now is um, trying to define uh, what it looks like to move forward. We wouldn't have launched five locations today, um, but that's what we find ourselves, and so kind of trying to evaluate what it looks like to move forward. One of the things we've uh, not wrestled with, but we've had to face is, you know, the whole issue of LGBT inclusion was kind of the, it was the inflammatory thing that spawned all of the hoopla, mm -hmm. but it's such a secondary issue to what the real issue is, yeah. and that is, who is God, who are we, what really is the gospel, yeah. and, you know, there, there was a point throughout the last year, I've heard people in the congregation say, man, why do we just keep, even the LGBT folk, why do we keep talking about, you know, in, inclusion? We really don't. I mean, we went six months and didn't talk about it twice. Yeah. I mean, it's a decision you make, and once you make the decision, you move on, yeah. but it just sticks in people's mind. There's something so much bigger, and that's the question of, you know, what really is God doing? What really is the gospel? Who is God? What is humanity? What are we preaching and proclaiming? What's the Christian church look like in the 21st century? Where's this thing going? Yeah. I'm ready to quit talking. It's like, do we have to just keep doing civil rights and talking about why we allow women to preach, you know, allow women to preach and yeah. why we're inclusive? The point is we need to be talking about Syrian refugees, yeah. and we need to be talking about the next crisis that comes down the pipe. Um, and I, I think the one thing that we owe um, the women, because we've gotten through that, the one thing we owe um, the LGBT community, all these major issues is they really have greased the skids for us to be a true Christian community, and that is, you know, who is the next marginalized group? Mm -hmm. Because if, if you want to be near Jesus, just get near the marginalized. If you want to be near what is the heart of the gospel, just find people who are hurting and being left out or being abused. And so we're really trying to turn the corner and get all the news media to quit talking about yeah. this one issue because we're not talking about it. We've, we've moved on. You know, every time a woman like Melissa stands up and preaches, we don't have to give a disclaimer and go back through the verses again. Yeah. We, we, move on. <laughs> we, we've done it. And so, I mean, have you guys found that too? People still oh, talk about that? Yeah, it's, most of the people still talking about that are outside the church. Yeah. Like, East Lake's That's over true. it. We did one message. Uh, yeah. And then we said, hey, if you want to come to these, we did two big events, one which you spoke at called Together in This, and, and um, those were really well attended. But other than that, we just moved on. And I think that was helpful for our community to know that, like, again, we weren't equating this with the gospel, that the gospel you know, has implications of which this is one, but uh, that we want to move forward into something better. Even my, my friends from LGBTQ community, they don't, they, they don't want us to camp there either. They're like, I'm yeah. good with me. Can we move on to human spirituality? And, you know, yeah. so that's been good. Yeah. Be um, so what is the gospel? That's what we're wrestling with, man. I think it's the good news. Um, and what is the good news? That God... You just sound like good. you're at a Republican debate right now. Go ahead and spit it out there, brother. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, that's the thing. I think the gospel is, uh, it changes its meaning slightly depending on where you're at in human history and where you're at on the, on the planet. And uh, I'm hopeful that God looks like Jesus. That we haven't always known that as a humanity, but that we know that now. That everything that makes God, God is in the person of Jesus. And if that's true, man, we're all going to be okay. And if we can embrace that, our belovedness, I love the, that about Jesus' baptism, that, that this, this concept of that heaven opens and what's communicated is the belovedness of Christ. And that that's an invitation for us to live that way. We can live with the heaven torn open. And if we can embrace our own belovedness in the eyes of, of our source, of ground of all being, then the way that we're able to interact towards the healing and renewing and reconciling of the world um, is incredibly powerful. But most of the time we're just stuck. We're stuck with old patterns. We're stuck with lies that have been imprinted on the heart. Um, so for me, I think if there is a God, then this God must have at the center of his, their, she, whatever heart is a desire to see things come to fullness and healing. And, uh, and that's what I see in the message of Jesus. You know, when I was in college, I thought I was too smart for Christianity because I was like, a, I was in philosophy. And so, you know, once you read Franz Kafka, you know, you... <laughs> so I was pretty, I thought I was pretty sharp. And then my, one of my atheist philosophy professors kind of shamed me in front of the group at a, like a study uh, group. And he's like, have you ever even read the whole Bible all the way through? And before I could answer, he's like, have you ever read the Tao Te Ching? How about the Bhagavad Gita? Have you ever read the Quran? And he just goes through it and just slays me. And I wouldn't have said it at the time, but as a 19 or 18 year old kid or whatever, I wanted his approval so bad. And so I was super embarrassed and went home and um, was like, well, he's right. So I spent the next couple of years reading through those uh, sacred texts. Uh, in addition to uh, Mortimer Adler, it was a real big part of my journey early on. And, and that was the thing that I, that I feel like I'm coming back to these days more than ever, full circle, was why does this matter? Why does this, you know, there's a lot of people claiming this, that, and the other thing, but to me, as I look at the world, it's, it's in chaos. And, you know, vulnerable people are being taken advantage of in ways that we've never even seen at the scale in human history. And so if you want to tell me about a God of love, then you're going to have to reconcile this. And so whether I was reading the Tao Te Ching or the Bhagavad Gita, once I got to the teachings of Jesus, the needs of the world and the teachings of Jesus connected in a way that I hadn't seen uh, anywhere else, at least for me. That's, that's, I'll just speak for myself. That's my lens. And so when I think about the gospel, it's the good news that God has come to us uh, in Jesus to show us his love to uh, rescue us from our own ways that we destroy one another, um, to set up this kingdom way of living, and to shut down religion, which is, uh, I think, almost centrally important for Americans to understand. We have so uh, over-religioned Jesus. Jesus' ethic is so relational. The final discourse in the upper room is not religious at all. The whole thing is about relationship. And uh, it, the further we get from that in our need to control others generally, um, we just miss the message. You see why I like him? You vote from East Lake Church. <laughs>
Well, we could talk all day long about this stuff, but I'd love for uh, your team to come up here and just be with us. I'd love for, I'd love for uh, Pastor Mel to come up here with us. I think I'll just lead together in this. I'll just sing a little <laughs> together in this. Wouldn't that be great? Nobody likes to listen to Coach Taylor sing, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't. Who? Anyway. <laughs> and I would love for you to stand. And let's, as a congregation, stretch out your hands to these pastors and just kind of symbolize your heart to them. And let's pray for East Lake Community Church. They are a sister church to us. And we have, in many ways, been depending on these folk. They've been depending upon us. And brothers and sisters at Grace Point, we are a part of something beautiful. And it won't be very long in church history, but people will look back at what's happening here and the good work that you're doing and say, thank God. God was speaking and God began to get through. And I really believe that that's happening in Eastlake, just like it's happening here. I want us just to pray a prayer of blessing over them. Lord, so much has changed about the way we see you as Pastor Mel was talking a couple of weeks ago, even you said that you couldn't teach everything about Jesus, and you were Jesus. You said, but the Holy Spirit would come, and the Holy Spirit over time, I suppose that's the issue, the Holy Spirit would have time to teach us all things about who Jesus is, the stuff that Ryan just said, Lord, if God is like Jesus, we're okay. If God is like Jesus, then as our friend Doug Padgett says, we no longer need to be profiteering on a system of hate and fear. If God is like Jesus, then Christianity can die and it will be just fine because its founder died and was just fine. And sometimes things need to die so they can be resurrected in new form. And if that's true of the first body of Christ, then maybe it's true of this body of Christ, that this body of Christ has to follow a paschal cycle down, and there has to be death processes and burial processes. But we are a people who want to be a part of that resurrection, that life-giving force of Jesus. Lord, may these two churches embody the fullness of who you are. And we as a church right now, out of our weakness, out of our strength, through our hands, we send the dynamic energy of God's spirit and love to them. Strengthen the heart of these pastors. Strengthen the heart of the pastors at their church back home, the leaders. Strengthen them, Lord, as you strengthen us. We believe in what you're doing, and we are very grateful, though weary, to be a part of it. We thank you, Lord, for East Lake Community Church, and we send every good thing we can send to them through these people that stand beside us on stage. We pray all of this in the name 
that we actually believe in now more than we ever have. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. would you tell these guys how glad we were again? <laughs>